Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. This is not our home. We're passing through here. We, we, got, we got a destination that we're going to arrive at one day. This is, I'm just passing through. And if you could just, if you could fast forward yourself to heaven and look back at what you're doing right now. Some of you might look back and say, I'm glad we were, I'm glad you were, I'm glad I was saved then. I was I'm right on track, what I wanted to be doing. But some of you, if you could fast forward, go to heaven and look back to where you are right now, you'd be saying, well, you better get busy. We need to do some things. We need to change our priorities a little bit. What are your top priorities? For some, it may be their families. For others, their careers. And others, it may simply be their own pleasure. Those are earthly treasures. That doesn't mean they're bad things. Family, for example, is an amazing gift from God and careers can be used to bring Him glory and accomplish a lot of good. But as Pastor Bill will challenge us in today's message, bringing God glory should be our ultimate priority. That's our purpose, and we'll be rewarded with eternal riches in heaven. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of Numbers chapter 8 for today's edition of A Transforming Word. There is a part that God does, but he's saying, look, you, you, you clean, you wash up, you, you clean up some things. And I, I believe that most of us would be able to admit, he says, cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Right? There are things that we need to repent of and lay down that we might be clean before the Lord. So coming back here to Numbers chapter 8, they're told to, to make themselves clean. Verse 8, it says, then let them take a young bull with its grain offering and fine flour mixed with oil. And you shall take another young bull as a sin offering and you shall bring the Levites before the tabernacle of meeting and you shall gather together the whole congregation of the children of Israel. So you shall bring the Levites before the Lord and the children of Israel shall lay their hands on the Levites and Aaron shall offer the Levites before the Lord like a wave offering from the children of Israel that they may perform the work of the Lord. So after they cleanse themselves, the next part of the ceremony is that there's going to be offerings given up. It says they're going to bring a bull. There's going to be two bulls and they're going to be offered up. And it says that the, the, young, first, the first one is going to be a young bull with, with a grain offering of fine flour mixed with oil. And you're going to take another young bull as a sin offering. And these are going to be offered up to the Lord. And it says you shall bring the Levites there and gather them with the whole congregation. Bring the, the Levites before the Lord and the children of Israel. And it says... The children of Israel shall lay their hands on the Levites. They're going to lay their hands on them, right? This is, um, they're laying their hands on them for, to, 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 to anoint them, to bless them for service to God. Um, the congregation is in agreement with this. They're, they're, this, is, this is something God's doing for them. They're, they're going to be serving this congregation. The congregation laying their hands on them. Um, reminds me of Acts chapter 6 when there were some servants needed in the church. They needed people to serve table. And what the, the apostle said was, I want you to seek out from among yourselves seven men of good reputation. That means that the, the body as a whole is going to have to sign off that we, this person has a good reputation among the body. Not just seven random people. You throw them at them and say, here, use them. But seven people that have a good reputation in the body. The body was in agreement. So here they're all laying hands on them. Verse 11. And it says Aaron is going to offer the Levite before the Lord like a wave offering. Now. If you remember in our study in Leviticus, when you look at the wave offering, the wave offering usually was a piece of meat 
uh, it might have been a thigh or a, you know, a leg. Of the, it might have been some portion of the, of the animal that was there and it would be waved before the Lord and it was an offering. And this is what that offering was saying. It was, uh, it was a thanksgiving. It was saying, thank you, Lord, for what you've already given. And, and we know that more is to come. But it was an offering saying, look, this is, we're giving this to you. We're, we're, so, we're glad to offer this to you. And it was waved before the Lord. And so the Levites are being offered up to the Lord like a wave offering. They're, they're, being, they're being put for God. We're offering them up to you. As a way, they're, they're, as a wave offering, we're, we're thankful. They're going to serve you. Um, and a, as with the other things that are given off in faith, there's an acknowledgement that as we give this to you, Lord, we know that there's more to come. Uh, you provided this. We're, we're, we're offering it to you. So just we're giving thanks for it. But we know that there's also more to come. They're going to be offered up as a wave offering. We'll see that several times mentioned um, in, in the rest of the chapter. Verse uh, the rest of verse 11 after they're offered like a wave offering from the children of Israel that they may perform the work of the Lord. That's what they're going to do. Verse 12, it says, Then the Levites shall lay their hands on the heads of the young bulls, and you shall offer them as a sin offering, the other as a burnt offering to the Lord to make atonement for the Levites. So when they would lay their hands on the animal that's going to be sacrificed, it's the idea that there's, there's a transfer. I'm guilty. I'm a sinner. I'm laying my hands on this innocent animal. It's going to die in my place that my sins are taken off of me and put on this animal. And it's a picture. God laid this picture way back here. It was a picture of what was to come in Jesus Christ, who would be the Lamb of God to take away the sins of the world, who, who our guilt and our sin would go upon him. And he would die in our place that we would be forgiven. And so there's a sin offering. They put their head, their hands on the head of this animal. There's a transfer our sins to this animal. This animal is going to die in our place. The, always God had it set up that it would be the the bloodshed of the innocent to cleanse or to cover or to wash away the sins of the guilty. He set that up in the Old Testament to prepare us for what he was going to do in the new covenant in Jesus Christ. Verse 12, um, verse, verse 13 now. And you shall stand the Levites before Aaron and his sons and then offer them like a wave offering to the Lord. Once again, it says that. Thus you shall separate the Levites from among the children of Israel, and the Levites shall be mine. I circled the word mine in my Bible. Um, is God being greedy? Is God being possessive? Is God like a bad boyfriend? You're mine. You're all mine. You know? No. He's like a parent. It's like a, like a good father. Like a, loving, like a loving shepherd. And God is saying, look, these, the children, they're going to be mine. These are going to be my people. Set apart by me and for me. They're mine. What a privilege I want to point out it is to be for God to say that you're mine um, because everybody that's not true. We know that everybody is not the Lord's. I feel bad when I hear people say we're all God's kids. Everybody hear people say that it makes people feel good. People in the world, they love to say that. You know what? You don't want to judge anybody because we're all God's kids. Can I can I, I just can I burst that bubble real bad? Y'all know that's not true, right? We're not all God's kids. We're all made in his image. He died for all of us. We can all be saved. The opportunity to be his children is available for all of us. But, but we're not all by default God's kids. Um, because in John 8, 44, Jesus tells a group of religious leaders, he says, you're of your father, the who? The devil. The devil got some kids. He got some offspring. 
So we're not all by default God's kids. You got to be born again into the family of God. And so just want to point that out. Everybody's not blessed to be called his kids, but some of us are. And so if you're writing notes, I want you to write down 2 Corinthians 6, 14 through 18, because just like them being God's kid required separation, God saying you're mine meant that you guys aren't going to just be normal. You guys aren't going to just be, you guys aren't going to be common people. You're not going to just do anything and everything. You're a Levite. You're set apart for me. You're mine. I got a purpose and a plan, a work for you to do. I got something for you to do for every season of your life. Um, as these guys were counted as kids, the potential for them to serve was there. It was noted that they would be able to serve God at this way. When they come to the age of 25, we'll see. They go into an apprenticeship. They get five years to be trained up for their service in the tabernacle. From age 30 to 50, they serve in that ministry. And at age 50, they're no longer able to serve in that ministry. But we believe that those that are over 50 are now ministering to that group of apprenticeship. Those that are being raised up. And so at every stage, God says, I got something for you to do. I got a work for you to do. I got a plan for your life. I have something for you to do that matters in the, in the, in the, in the long, in the big scheme of things, in the eternal realm. There's something for you to do that counts and that matters. And so every believer should be looking for that. We should be seeking that. God, there's something for me to do that matters now. It matters now and it's going to matter then. And if you're just doing things that matter now, they don't matter in eternity. They don't matter in heaven. They don't matter to God. Ask yourself that about the things that you do. Does God care about this? Right. Is there any part of this that can glorify God? Like, does God care about this at all? And there might be some things I'm not trying to, you know, I'm not trying to be a, a killjoy. You know, there, everybody here may have some things you do that God would. Yeah, I don't think he care about that. Just don't let that be the consuming thing in your life. Then if you got some side thing that you say, I don't think the Lord care about that at all. Then don't let that be a main thing. Right. Don't let that be a, a major passion of your life. Make sure that the main passions of your life are things that you would say, you know what? But this thing that I spend my effort, my energy, my time, my resource on here, this thing matters for all eternity. Make sure that you're spending the best of who you are, the best of your abilities, your gift, your time, your treasure, all of that. Make sure that the best of that is being spent on things that matter for eternity, because that's where we're going to be. You guys, we're not. This is not our home. We're passing through here. We got, we got a destination that we're going to arrive at one day. This is, I'm just passing through. And if you could just, if you could fast forward yourself to heaven and look back at what you're doing right now, some of you might look back and say, I'm glad we were, I'm glad you were, I'm glad I was saved then. I was I'm right on track, what I wanted to be doing. But some of you, if you could fast forward, go to heaven and look back to where you are right now, you'd be saying, well, you better get busy. We need to do some things. We need to change our priorities a little bit. So just, we could all check ourselves, right? There's something God has for us. But as they were to be separated from the world to the Lord, interesting in 2 Corinthians 6, 14 through 18, that whole section, that's really what God is calling us to do. So I wanted to point this out because I, I want to make New Testament application that we might know how God wants us separated to him as well. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, starting at verse 14, it says, Do not be unequally yoked together with an unbeliever. For what fellowship have righteousness with lawlessness and what communion has light with darkness and what accord has Christ with Bilal or what part has a believer with an unbeliever? The answer to all those questions is none. We have nothing in agreement, no part with them, nothing at all. 
Verse 16, and what agreement has the temple of God with idols? None. And this is what God says to you and to me. For you are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them. God lives in you. And I will walk among them and I will be their God and they shall be my people. Therefore, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean. And this is the promise. And I will receive you. I will be a father to you and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. As I read this here, I realize that what God wants is what he promises. Right. I want you to be my sons and my daughters. But 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 God gives us the, 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 the way that it's to be done. He says you got to come out from among them and be separate. Right. You can't walk among them and live among them and be what I want you to be. You got to come out from among them. And so as the Levites are called to live a separate life for the Lord, maybe some of you need to be reminded tonight that it's going to be impossible to become the man or the woman God wants you to be while being immersed and entangled in, in the world. If the, if, if the majority of your friends don't know God and you're not evangelizing them, that's a problem. That's a problem for you and your walk with the Lord because God says, don't be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. He says, you know, uh, don't be deceived. Bad company corrupts good character and good morals. You know, some people I've talked to Christians like, yeah, you know, but I, you know, it doesn't really affect me. You know, I just hang out with them and, you know, they, they, they feel like they're the, they're the exception. Do you not an exception, right? If God says, don't be deceived. Every time God says it, just a few times he says it, but every time he does say it, it's in an area where he knows that people are deceived. So God says, don't be deceived into thinking you can hang out with immoral people and not rub off on you. It's because there are people that are sitting out there saying, but I, I think I'll be, I'm strong. And you're going to be strong with a joint in your hand, and a blunt in your pocket and a, a drink in your hand before you know it. Right. That's not what he's, he said. I want you to come out and be separate. And I've seen the. The number one thing I've seen pull somebody who was making good progress. I mean, I've seen people get started. I've been in ministry for, for I don't know now, for, for quite a few years. And I've seen many people get started in their walk with the Lord. And the one thing I've seen more than anything else suck somebody back down is old relationships. Sometimes it's buddies and friends. Sometimes it's girlfriend, boyfriend stuff. Sometimes it's family. It's, it's old relationships that don't support the new relationship that you have with Christ and they start pulling and they're powerful. It's relationships are powerful. God made us relational people, but he wants his relationship to be the number one relationship that we have. And so be, be challenged. If you say, man, I got a lot of non-believers around me. Don't be, that's not, that's not a problem. If you're evangelizing, if you're witnessing to them and sharing Christ with them and, and engaging them in gospel conversation, then may you continue and may the Lord anoint you to be effective at that. But if you're just hanging out, just chilling, be aware that you're in a dangerous place as someone that God has called to be separate. Right. And back to what we're looking at here, the Levites who were called to serve um, in just some practical ways in the tabernacle. God said, look, you guys got to be set apart. I'm going to cleanse you. I'm going to wash you. You're going to be, you're going to be, you're going to get right with me. You're going to, you're going to be separated from me, ceremonially cleansed. Um, they're going to be animal sacrifice. You're going to be spiritually right. We're going to deal with your sins. And then I'm going to consecrate or set you apart. And they're offered up like a wave of notice that they aren't offered to the Lord in service until after they're cleansed. Uh, notice that they're not offered before they get cleansed and before the sacrifice. Notice they're offered up after. And the same is true for you and me. Right? If I'm going to offer my life up in service to God, then I need to have it clean first. There's some people that want to skip the 
getting right with God and cleansing themselves of sin and want to jump right into to service. And God says, no, no, let's let's fix. Let's deal with this first and then then come serve me. I want to clean you up and then I want to use you for my purpose and my glory. I'm always blown away. You can write it down in your notes in Acts chapter six when they had to pick seven men. The job description was men to serve widows. There was a, a distribution of food for widows that came to the church every day. They had a problem. Um, there were some racial issues going on and the people serving food, it sounds like they were given a better portion to the Hebrew women. But there were these Hellenist women, these Hebrew women with just they're Jewish women, but they got Greek culture and they, they would come and they wouldn't get as they, they wouldn't get as much stuff. And there was a complaint went to the apostles and the apostles. This is what we're going to do. I need seven men. Good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom to serve tables. And I look at that and I think, if I had to just pick some fellas to serve tables, my, my natural mind says, I look for a few men. Brother, 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 come serve tables. But God said, no, I need, I need men that are, they got to have a good reputation. That means they're part of the body. Full of the Holy Spirit. What does that mean? Does that mean you speak in tongues? No. You might do that too. Full of the Holy Spirit. You got the fruit of the Spirit. You don't, you're, not a, you're not a man of the flesh. The fruits of the Spirit are, are, are evident in your life. Love, joy, peace, gentleness, self-control. All those things are evident in your life. Full of the Spirit and wisdom. How do you know someone has wisdom? Wisdom is, the, is, is God helping us. God's ability to do what we know. Knowledge is knowing. Wisdom is about the ability to do what we know. So I'm looking for someone that didn't just don't know the Word, but their life says that they're living by the Word. Wisdom. Doesn't mean that they sit there and you ask a question, they go, hmm... And they give you that look and they have wisdom. Wisdom has more to do with how you're doing. What are you doing with the word that you know? A lot of people know a lot of scriptures and a lot of word, but who's doing it, right? And if that was a qualification just to serve tables, um, God said, look, I, it's, 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 it's not a small thing to serve tables for me, right? It might be a small thing to serve table at the banquet, at your school, at your kid's school, but, but for me, right, I want my servants to be separated to do my service. And so as a church, we try to hold a, hold a bar for those that would serve that would honor God because God cares about how we serve. He don't want us serving him any old kind of way. And so we try to, we try to honor that and how we, how we run that process. And so back to, back to Numbers chapter eight. So again, it says that they, were, they shall be mine. Verse, verse uh, 15 here. It says, after the Levites shall go in to service the tabernacle of meeting, you shall cleanse them and offer them like a wave offering. And so just want to point out in verse 12, that sin was dealt with. The sacrifices in verse 13, they were offered up thanksgiving and in, and in faith. And in verse 15, now they can serve God in the tabernacle, the tabernacle of meeting. And sin's dealt with. They're now offered to the Lord and now they're able to serve. Now they're able to come into the tabernacle of meeting and offer their service to the Lord. Verse 16 now. For they are wholly given to me from among the children of Israel. I have taken them for myself instead of all who opened the womb, the firstborn of the children of Israel. And so when God says they're holy, W-H-O-L-L-Y, that means they're all set apart for me. He said that about Caleb and Joshua. They were wholly, um, you know, surrendered to him as they went forth. 
right here it says that they're, they're all mine. That, that word means that there's no part of them that's not belong to the Lord. They're wholly set apart to me. And I, I want you to just hear, I'm reading this and I'm like, I think God's, I don't know if he's proud, but God's claiming them. Anybody here that, you know, maybe when you first got into a relationship with somebody and you want to make sure everybody else knew that they were yours. Um, I know women don't typically do that, but I, I actually, 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 <laughs> yes, they do. Um, but um, men more so. I, I've seen more men kind of claim their territory, claim their woman, make sure people know. And here the Lord is saying, I'm claiming them. Like, these are mine. I don't want there to be any mishap. I don't want you to misunderstand. They're mine. He uses the word mine. They're wholly set apart from me. All mine. And verse 17 now. For all the firstborn among the children of Israel are mine. Says it again. Both man and beast. On the day that I struck the firstborn in the land of Egypt, I sanctified them to myself. I want to stop there for a minute. Some people have a hard time with this aspect of who God is, right? When you look at the, all the firstborns that died in Egypt, right? Um, for some people, they would look at that and say, that was the, the devil did that. The enemy did that. But I just want to point out right here that God says, on the day that I struck all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, he did that. He claims it, right? Some people have a hard time with that aspect of who God is. Um, some people will look at that and say, oh, I can't serve a God like that. Um, but then we know the Bible says that God is absolutely just and fair and righteous. And I just want, I, I don't ever want to be at a point of judging God, but I just want to point that out, right? God did that. God struck them. God said, look, that, that, this is, I'm dealing with Egypt right now. I'm dealing with those that worship idols and reject me. And this is the way I'm dealing with them right now. All the, all their firstborn died. Right now, I passed over you guys. You guys made it. And in, in doing so, I've now set apart the Levites for myself. I don't have a problem with that. I just want you to read it and be aware that, you know, God is, there's a, the goodness of God, but there's also an aspect of God, the severity of God. People love to talk about the gracious, loving, kind, gentle Jesus, but people get very uncomfortable over here. Where it's like, man, there's also a side of God where God did, God gets down. God disciplines. He punishes. Um, there's a scripture in Exodus 15, verse 3. Um, says it. I'm going to read it to you guys so I don't mess it up. Exodus 15, 3. It says, the Lord is a man of war. The Lord is his name. Um, I don't know. Some people are uncomfortable with that. I don't like war. I don't think God is in the war. I don't think there should be war. And you read Exodus 15, 3, and God says, the Lord is a man of war. Doing he, God, God does war, you guys. He does it. There's battles that take place. There are things that must be done. So I just want to be comfortable with who God is, all of who he is, right? I don't want to create a God that I'm comfortable with that's not the God of the Bible. I got to be comfortable with all of who he is. Yes, he's loving and gracious and merciful and all those things. But, but there is a time that comes where God says, look, I... I I, I go to war too. I discipline. Um, I do all those things. So just want to point that out. Verse 18 now. I have taken the Levites instead of all the firstborn of the children of Israel. And um, initially all the firstborn of the children of Israel to be given to the Lord. But God says now that's no more. Now instead the Levites are mine. They're going to be set apart for my service. Verse 19. 
And I've given the Levites as a gift to Aaron and his sons from among the children of Israel to do the work of the children of Israel in the tabernacle of meeting and to make atonement for the children of Israel, that there be no plague among the children of Israel when the children of Israel come near the sanctuary. That is really cool here. Thanks for joining Pastor Bill on a transforming word as he teaches through the book of Numbers. As you listen to today's message, we pray that it has not only inspired you in your faith journey, but challenged you in your relationships. The book of Numbers recounts the various struggles the people of Israel faced with those outside of their camp, but also within. Surely, there are difficulties you might be facing inside your family, your church, your work setting, and the nation as a whole. But God is still here, and He's proven time and time again that He's not leaving you or abandoning you. So when you're tempted to get down and out, chin up and remember that He is faithful. The messages you've been listening to are in Ministry of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood. If you're ever in or near the Inglewood area, you're more than welcome to join us for church. We meet at Calvary Chapel Inglewood every Sunday and Wednesday. And you can get more information on our website at calvaryinglewood.org. You can also call or text us for more information. Our number is 310-245-4811. Again, that's 310-245-4811. If you're looking for more resources or ways to connect with us, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Just look for the links on our website. Again, that's CalvaryInglewood.org. Well, that's all we have time for today. But Pastor Bill will have more to share from the Book of Numbers next time on A Transforming Word. <laughs>